0: Get to this place right in the middle of El Cajon there, and it is this vacant lot. It is, there, there's grass in the cracks, you know, of the cement that was there. You could still see the foundation of what used to be uh, some sort of building there, but it was really ugly. It obviously had been neglected for uh, a few years, and, and he goes, there it is. And I'm like, what? This is what you wanted to show me? Where's the flowers, Right? But it was, it was this neglected lot. And he goes, he goes, Jeff, two years ago, this was a Baptist church. And he goes, when, when I need perspective on things as a pastor, I drive to this spot right here and I take a look at what could be. What, what could be. And, and he and I, I remember discussing many of the possible reasons for why that church no longer, at least the church building, no longer existed. And I believe that as we talk today, we're going we're gonna to touch upon one such reason why churches are dying out today. I've heard incredible amounts of numbers that, uh, of churches that close annually, and it saddens my heart. It breaks my heart. And one of the reasons, I think, is because we don't get along genera- generationally. When we refuse to get along generationally, we miss out on the diversity that God has designed to be a part of the church family. And so, as we talk this morning, we want to uh, continue our discussion from last week. Again, Keenan and I just want to have a discussion. We want to have our Bibles open, we want to share verses, and we want to talk about this uh, generation thing in our church family specifically. But as we do, and in order to get us thinking, I I just want you to answer this question in your own heart. Okay? You don't have to say it out loud, but, but come up with an answer. As you think about that empty lot where there was once a church building, answer this question. What is the biggest problem in church today? Just answer it in your own heart. You have an answer? As you see it, What's the biggest problem in church today? And there's a second question that goes kind of hand in hand. is kind of similar. And that is, what keeps people your age from going to church? So what's the biggest problem in church today as you see it? And what keeps people your age from going to church?
1: Okay. As you guys think about those, let's talk... Um backwards a little bit about what we went over last week. Um, Our main point, um, which will come up on the PowerPoint here, was essentially this. Through unity and generational diversity, God is glorified. There's two parts of it. There's unity and there's diversity, and through that, God is glorified. We came to understand that we, across the generations, are actually more unified than we think sometimes. We have a lot in common. Um, We have the saving love of Jesus. We have His Spirit. We have a common enemy. We also have a common foundation of Scripture and even some common vision as a church where we, regardless of generation, are looking for some of the same things. But we are also diverse. Um, we're a unique group. Everybody is a little different, uh, and especially across the generations. And though diversity can be difficult to deal with at times, it's not a hurdle. It's actually a uh, A gift and it's an asset Um, diversity though difficult as we said is a strategy used by God it's an asset not a hurdle so as we look at that second part diversity today um, we want to basically ask this question so what does each generation have to offer what if we're going to be a diverse church what do we bring to the table each generation. So, uh, let's just start off with uh, older generations. What is it that older generations uniquely bring to the table?
0: Yeah. And, that, and that's, so we want to address this. What, what is it that, that uh, uh, how can we work hand in hand? We recognize that each generation has strengths and <laughs> weaknesses. Each generation has strengths and weaknesses. Each generation has strengths and weaknesses. And I think what we want to show and what we want to talk about today is the fact that, that the, the wonderful thing about generational diversity is that they really fill the gaps that another generation might have. And so our first question is, well, what, is a, what does an older generation have to, have to offer uh, the church uh, family? And and it might be good to just say what four groups we're talking about. Oh, here. yeah, let's review. So, yeah.
1: again, we have um, a ton of generations in our church, all the way back to the GI generation, the greatest generation, um, lived through World War II and the Great Depression. Um, we don't have enough data to, to have that group represented in our survey, but um, we do have those people in our church. We have matures, as they're called. We use that term to talk about people who grew up during the silent generation um, after World War War II had already happened, but before the Vietnam War. If that was sort of your coming-of-age years, you tend to fit into the uh, mature generation. There's baby boomers, um, which everybody, I think, kind of knows where they fall. Um, There's free love. There's all that kind of stuff during uh, the Vietnam War, the moon landing, civil rights movements, things like that. Um, and then after that is the Gen Xers, who don't like to be called a generation because they're so independent and individualistic, but they um, right. come right after that. There's my generation, which is the Millennials, which uh, are everywhere in any article you read and any news thing you, you see. Um, you can adopt them and sponsor <laughs> No, that video was a joke at the beginning. Um, <laughs> But a lot of we, it's fun to make fun of ourselves sometimes. Um, coming of age during the internet um, when it's it's uh, booming and becoming a big thing in 9/11, and then we even have people in our church part of Generation Z or the i generation, which is um, born after 2000, basically after 9/11, and um, that generation is getting old enough to even start having kids. So again, we're talking about. Um, a diverse group in our church, all yes. these generations put together.
0: Yeah. So going back to the question, what does an older generation bring? How, 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 how can we see an older generation in a way that is positive as far as what they offer? What, what, if you're part of an older generation, and I'm talking probably Xers on the way all, all the way up, what, what do we bring to the table. How, how do we help? Well, and, and I think what we'll, we discover first is that an older generation has much to hand down. Much to hand down. As you look at Scripture over and over again, it's this idea of one generation handing truth to the next generation. Let me just read. There's, there's two verses that will come up on the screen. One is Psalm 71, verse 18, which says, so even to old age and gray hairs, O oh God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those to come. I love it because it's that oh God, it's my heart to tell another generation about how awesome you are. And then in 2 Timothy 2, verse 2, uh, the Apostle Paul encourages Timothy in this whole idea of handing down. And he says, And what, well, I will read it right here, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. I love it. It's a handing down and an encouragement to continue handing down. So there's this biblical call that, that an older generation hand down certain biblical truths, that was, certain scripture. When you did the
1: word study and showed me the results of that, I was surprised at how often that came up. Yeah. Just, even just how many times the word generations was used. Yes. And this is kind of the theme of it. Is Absolutely. The, the older to the next to the next continually.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go a little bit out on a limb here, but I believe it's really true. I've, I've heard both inside the church and outside the church, those millennials... I've heard, I've heard people put millennials down and even make fun of them. We showed a little video, and I kind of cringe because if you're a millennial, I'm not here to make fun of you.
1: We're kind of make, we're funny. I mean, yeah, okay, it, you we're are, easy to make fun of. He can say that because right? he's a millennial. Yeah, okay, my good, But I can't.
0: So <laughs> I'm not, anyway, I can make fun of both. Never mind. Anyway. <laughs> But I've heard inside and outside the church, those millennials, and the thing I want to say every time is those millennials are a product of our generations. In fact, I was handed a book a while back, uh, a couple Sundays ago actually, I haven't read the whole thing, but it gives seven reasons why millennials are walking away from the church, and at least three of those reasons have a direct effect because of the previous Generations. I mean, it's it's the previous generations that have produced the millennials. So we can't say those millennials without taking responsibility. Okay, the scripture says we are the ones who are called to hand down truth to the next generation. So in a sense, they are who they are because of it's not entirely this generation. our fault
1: that we are this way, right? That's right. So you
0: get a little bit of grace, but not much. No. Um, and what we'd like to do then is, is just to continue with this theme of handing down and, and specifically looking at Timothy and Paul and Titus and Paul. Uh, in, in, in 1 Timothy 1 verse 2, Paul calls Timothy his child in the faith. Now, he's not physically his child biologically but Paul had such a relationship with both Timothy and Titus that he calls them both his children in the faith and so we want to continue with that idea of handing down and consider what that looks like especially as we look at some verses out of 1st uh, 2nd Timothy and Titus as well and 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 we want to see that generations or faith is passed down to generations
1: yeah can I read that verse yes. from 2 Timothy? Yes. This one's really cool to me. Um, I don't know if we have this one in the PowerPoint, do we? No. Uh, 2 Timothy 1 verse 5, Paul speaking to Timothy says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. Mm-hmm. This is a really cool picture of Timothy inheriting faith from his mom and his grandmother and how it kind of works through. Yeah, Those generations like that.
0: Absolutely. So, so t- Timothy really is a, a product of Paul's, well, first, a product of his own grandmother's and mother's influence. But then also as Paul comes alongside of him, um, there is this handing down. And so Timothy becomes, just in case you don't know, Timothy becomes a very young pastor in Ephesus. And so Paul is writing to Timothy as he pastors this church in Ephesus, and he's considered a young guy in that day and age, and uh, and yet because of the influence of previous generations, here's Timothy able to pastor this church in Ephesus. Mm-hmm. So the, the question is then, how, how does this look? If indeed we all, and I saw a lot of us older generations nodding our head yes, that it is up to us to pass down truth, then let's just kind of think about what does that look like? Because I'm afraid that sometimes we get a misunderstanding of what that looks like. And so we want to kind of again look at, at what Timothy and Titus say about that. And, and and the first thing that we're encouraged by in a well-known a couple of verses, is that if we are going to hand down truth to another generation, we need to stick with the Scriptures. 2 Timothy 3.16 is one of those passages that we use a lot, right? All Scripture is inspired by God. All Scripture is God-breathed. Let me read it to you. Verse 16 says... All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be be complete, equipped for every good work. But did you know that that incredible, powerful verse or verses is in the context of generations?
1: Yeah, let's back up to verse 14. Paul, just two verses before that. Speaking to Timothy, he says, But as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. It's a pass down from Paul to Timothy, um, from all the people in his life that were a generation above him, that have passed on to Timothy, verse 15, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. They've passed on to Timothy a knowledge of the Scripture and just a knowledge of how important the Scriptures are. So I just think that it's so cool that when we get to all Scripture as God breathed and useful for teaching, etc., that it comes right on the heels of Paul saying, remember how you learned already, and you know that you've heard it from the generations ahead of you, yeah. and from me even, that Scripture matters. It's so important. And in passing that through the generations, I just think that's cool. I mean, that's mm-hmm. the verse we go to when, yeah. we, when we want to talk about the importance and usefulness of the Bible. Yeah. And it's from... Interge- inter- intergenerational diversity.
0: Yeah, yeah. So we want to we make sure that as an older generation hands down truth, it is the truth of Scripture that we're handing down. <laughs> and we could, that could be a whole other sermon right there. But for our time, we want to make sure we're focused in on Scripture. Scripture, Scripture, okay? Other things we might be tempted to hand down that may not apply anymore today, we've got to be careful with. And we can talk more about that at another, mm-hmm. at another time. But we want to make sure as we're handing down that we stick with Scripture. But then here's a big one. We want to make sure as we are handing down truth, older generations, that we are authentic, that we're first of all living it out ourselves. That it is our example as well as our words that's being handed down. Um, titus uh, uh, titus chapter one chapter two excuse me chapter two um, he he tells paul tells titus but as for you teach what what is in accord with sound doctrine and then he says this older men are to be sober-minded dignified self-controlled sound in faith in love and in steadfastness there's an example older men here's what you got to look like here's how you ought to live and then he says, verse three: Older women, likewise, you are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands. That the world, or excuse me, that the word of God may be may not be reviled. Is it? So, so it starts with an example. Older men, here's how you're to live. This is what you should look like. Older women, here's what you're, you, you should do. Here's how you should live. And then you should teach the younger. Then you should hand it down. So there's a sense of authenticity that we're talking about here.
1: Definitely. Millennials are leaving the church, and one of the biggest reasons, you know, if we go back to the question, what's the biggest problem in church today, a lot of people would say it's hypocrisy and just people saying one thing and doing the opposite. I can tell you that if you're trying to hand things down to me and other millennials and you're not doing them, you know, you have this do as I say, not as I do mentality, it's going to just be difficult to receive that. I mean, it just would be hard because, you know, you're not doing it and you're asking me to do it. Like, this must not be that important. You know, it must not be that worthwhile yeah. um, and just disingenuous. Um, the, it just doesn't appeal to millennials. So yeah. I, I can definitely see living it out being just a, a key yeah. to, to mentoring and passing down.
0: And I actually had a boss that would say that to me. He would be doing something and he'd go, don't you do this. Do as I say, not as I do. And I was like, what? What's up with that? So guess <laughs> what? When he wasn't looking, I did what he did. it doesn't work (laughs) it doesn't work it doesn't work so so we want to we want to make sure it's scripture we're handing down we want to make sure it's authentic that we are actually living it out in as we hand it down but then thirdly uh, we would recommend uh, based on what was already read before out of second timothy we want to make disciple makers not information keepers we, 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 want to, we want to have a younger generation know not just the truth, but they need to know how to pass the truth on. Paul tells Timothy, the things you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, you entrust to faithful men who then are trained enough that they can teach others also. And so it goes down the line, down generations. And, and so we want to be careful. We, we don't want to just let them fill their mind with information, we want to help them apply it and help them to be able to teach others also. Is that making sense? Yeah, it's like the multiplication
1: idea of... of. Disciple making yes. is you know you make one. It's like a pyramid scheme. Yes. yes. <laughs> but it, but it's about disciple making. <laughs> a good one, though. And, yeah, yeah, a good, dis- a, good a good pyramid scheme. But uh, yeah, I, I think that's great. And at one point, every generation was the youngest generation.
0: Yeah, you know, yeah. so
1: everything has to kind of move through time like this. I, I like that.
0: Yes, yes, and then and then one final thing on uh, as as we are seeking as an older generation to hand down truth to hand do it in such a way that we're living it out and, and helping those who come after us be uh, disciple makers. We want to focus on relationship. Now, I could go off here, but I won't. Yeah. Except to say this. So, so you will. Well, <laughs> just that one. <much. laughs> one thing that separates us from all other religion is what? Our relationship with Jesus We have a relationship with Jesus. That's why we are Christians. It's not because we follow a bunch of do's and a don'ts, which is religion. We have a relationship with Jesus. And it's so easy to miss out on the fact that because we have a relationship with Jesus, we need to have a relationship with one another. You see, Jesus is our example, right? We want to be like Christ. Yeah, maybe. I hope so. And and so, so we don't want to miss out on relational aspects of this handing down. It could be one thing to hand down truth as a drill sergeant, here's what you need to know, here's what you need to do, and then not have a relationship. And so we're suggesting we need to have a relationship.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, millennials are often talked about as being not very social because of our reliance on technology and social media and things, but if there's anything that you can look up in the, in the stats, millennials care more about relationships than just about any other generation. And um, when it, when we talk about handing down from one generation to the next, I can't stress this enough. As advice from a millennial to non-millennials, build the relationship first. And then the more relationship you have, uh, I've heard the illustration of the bigger you build the bridge, the more truth you can move across it. And I just think that that's so true, even more with millennials. So, um, you know, I think about just the way that um, people give uh, advice and the way I've I've taken advice. I've been in a struggle. Somebody's come up and said something to me. It's kind of been like a a pat answer, Um, a a trite, you know, follow the Lord, serve the Lord. (laughs) Just got to trust God. And what I hear from that is, yeah, whatever. That's what I say in my brain when I hear that immediately. Now, obviously, I got to work on on that myself. But millennials aren't interested in in empty platitudes. We're not interested in cliches. Um, we want a relationship. And if you can build a foundation to where you say, "Trust the Lord," but it's it's from somewhere, I think millennials will definitely respond to that. They will listen to you if there's a if there's a place where it comes from. Um, yeah. I, and I think it goes back to the ABCs of love strong that you. Yeah. talked about several weeks ago where, you know, we accept each other, and then we um, build each other up, and then at the, at the end, we confide. And it's kind of like this reverse pyramid, and, and you've got to have this kind of relationship building deepening before you can really get a lot of truth moving across. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, that's just some advice from a, from a millennial to, to some of you who aren't.
0: So what about, because some of us are in the older generation, and some of us might feel like they don't want anything to do with me. That that younger generation, they've kind of put me out to pasture already, it seems. Yeah. And they walk right by me at church. They don't smile. They don't engage in me. So. That's really putting it out there. If I'm going to hand down these truths, do I, you know, what do I do? How, how do will? I guess the question is, will they really receive? Yeah. What I have to say. Yeah,
1: that's a yeah. that's a good question, and that is, you know, the first part of it, the handing down, is is definitely on the older generations, but the other side of it is receiving. And I think that's on on us. And you know, you get the picture. At, well, everybody's least favorite is the the kid at Christmas who opens a present. Man, it's not what I wanted. Man, <laughs> uh, I don't like this. And it's like you're, you're a good. Thank choice. you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, you very much. Really I'm, well. I have a natural whininess about me. Um, but nobody likes that kid. Um, and I think that's part. Partially, how we can respond, millennials, sometimes when an older generation wants to pass on, give us this free gift, and it's not really what we want to hear. Um, you know, I think we have um, the responsibility to, to receive it hmm. with respect and, and joy. First Timothy 1 5, um, Paul says this to Timothy, just giving him instructions do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. It's kind of like if this dynamic's going to work of one generation, an older generation handing down to a younger, there has to be like some respect. And I think, um, you know, we can do that, millennials. There's a lot that older generations have been through. There's a lot that they have to offer. And um, I think it is a bit of an American thing, not to necessarily respect older generations as much. Uh, Older generations, maybe, I don't know if you think that's true. Do you think that's true? (laughs) In America, we tend to devalue um, the elderly and overvalue youth, maybe. Mm -hmm. And uh, maybe we can get back to some truth in that and just sort of respecting um, older generations. Yeah. Yeah, The other thing that I want to go back to... um, 2 Timothy 3, as we we talk about that verse uh, where Paul is is bringing out the importance of Scripture, um, look at in 3.10 of 2 Timothy, Paul says, You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, verse 11, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, Yet from all of them, the Lord rescued me. Hmm. Uh, I think we, younger generations, can learn endurance from older generations. We can learn grit. We can learn you know, experience and wisdom. We can learn, um, you know, these, the people in our church have lived through mm-hmm. real difficult times in life. And, you know, I, I encourage millennials and I, generation, to to ask um, about some of these stories. Uh, you know, when you hear these platitudes and when you hear about, um, you know, just trust the Lord, mm-hmm. you know, that comes from somewhere. It does come from
0: something, yeah. Yeah, and if a younger generation will probe, they might find that the experience that says those words mm-hmm. is going to be incredibly valuable.
1: Yeah, so when you maybe when you hear something that sounds like a platitude... Keep asking, make that a dialogue a little bit. And I think, um, you know, again, I I don't want to hammer on us millennials, but we tend to be a generation that doesn't have a ton of grit and endurance. We're not that great when we face adversity sometimes. Um, Other generations have faced that and have come out. So I I think that that's something we can learn um, from an older generation.
0: Yeah, very good.
1: Another thing, as we've already talked about, is the importance and truth of Scripture, Um, in verse 10 of that same, or sorry, verse 14 of that same chapter, but as for you continue in what you have learned. And then he goes on to talk about the sacred writings of scripture, um, Again, this is an inner filter that we have as millennials. You, we're savvy to advertising. If somebody's trying to sell me something, if somebody's trying to get me on board and get me locked up in a commitment, <laughs> I, I can know right away the amount of advertisements that I've seen in only 20 years uh, You know, compared to you know, older generations. And so um, you can tune those things out. You can block them out. But as a younger person... Try to work on that auto-filter to, to not dismiss when somebody gives you a scriptural truth, if that makes sense. So even if somebody's saying something and your initial response is to go, yeah, whatever, um, that's, that's, yeah, that's easy, easy for you to say. If it is from the Bible and you know it is, or if you're not sure it is and you can find out, maybe just, just try to accept it, um, even if they're not giving it to you with love. Um, just to accept it as from the Bible, because at least that we can hold on to. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think that's part of, you know, the, the response from millennials is is di- this dialogue back and forth mm-hmm. um, between older generations, you mm-hmm. know. We can have this mutual respect, and from that we can learn endurance. We can learn about the Bible, and I, th- I think that's kind of how we have to approach it uh, okay. as a younger generation, so that you don't have that. That problem that you talked about earlier.
0: Yeah, of not feeling like they want to hear it. You know. Yeah, yeah, which has yeah. sometimes been true. Yeah. So what do the generations have to offer? We've said an older generation has much to hand down. Yeah. Scripture, uh, example, the, the example of endurance, the understanding maybe a little bit better of how to apply Scripture Um, And the question is, will a younger generation receive it? And we've tried to deal with that. So how about a younger generation? We we all know that an older generation has much to offer, right? (laughs) <laughs> oh, those that are in the older generation have said amen to that, but amen. what does a younger generation okay. have to offer? Let's yeah. talk about let's that. let's talk
1: about that. As we get into it, um, keep this, uh, what does a younger generation have to offer? Let's take a look at some of the survey results, okay, yeah, that, we, that sure. we did. Can we throw those up? Um, John, the first question, which we, the questions that we asked you to consider at the beginning of service was, what is the biggest problem in church today? Okay, we actually asked this in the survey. We gave several responses and allowed different pe- people to choose from those, and then there was a write-in response, okay? Um, so, matures. What do you think matures said was the biggest problem in church today? Think about it. A lack of commitment and apathy. Um, not being uh, super devoted. Not, there's, there's a missing link there. Just the, the, these uh, people aren't committed enough. Boomers? Baby boomers? What do you think they said? Same thing. <laughs> same thing. A little bit of a pattern. What about Gen Xers? What did, what did Gen Xers think? Oh, wow. Okay. Ooh. So we've got a definite... Ooh. We've got a definite... Okay. So <laughs> what about millennials? Do you think they said the same thing? Nope. <laughs> Every generation except millennials thought that the biggest problem in church was the lack of commitment and apathy. Millennials think it's the inability to adapt, yeah. that the biggest problem in church today is it's not relevant. And I think that that is such a picture of a generation gap, isn't it? Because, you know, matures, boomers, and Xers can look at millennials, and what are we typically seen as? Very ap- apathetic, and we have a poor commitment level. Um, but what about millennials? Well, why would I go to a church that can't adapt and isn't relevant? Uh, it doesn't reach culture. It doesn't even it, it do any of the things that I like. It's not anything like the church of me. So you can see a big generation gap there and where it falls. Um, what about the next question? What, uh, go ahead, John. Um, what keeps people your age from church? So this is specific to generations. Um, matures? Said they disagree with the direction that church has gone. Boomers disagree with the direction that church has gone. That's the number one reason why people that age don't go to church. To me, I, if we could stop there and just take a look at that, again, if we go back to the handing down portion of this, isn't that just a reflection? Um, You know, obviously, the people who took this survey went to church to know to take the survey and were a part of it. But um, to not be handing down to the next generation is a failure to keep church going. So to me, you know, we've got a little bit of a problem there. Xers, what do they think keeps people their age from church? time requirement. Yeah. Yeah. The busy, successful generation takes a little too much time. Millennials, what do you think millennials said? Thinking about it? Not relevant. Same thing. I think we can see a little bit of a pattern here between the generations, between what they think the problems are. And I think as we look at this, we have an adapting problem in church today. I kind of agree with both sides of this, right? We have an adapting problem. Um, There's the older generation, which is saying, listen, these younger people, they won't commit. We can't get them to participate in anything that we're doing. They're so busy. There's this time requirement. Um, You know, they don't want to, they're not interested in church anymore. They're leaving church. And the younger generation is, church is falling behind, They can't keep up with us. And so we have this thing where we have church here and we have the future here and they're not necessarily together on
0: that. So as as we, you know, talk about adapting then, are we saying conforming? Are we saying compromising?
1: What's the difference?
0: (laughs) That's a good question. That's a really good question. Why don't you answer it? Okay, I will answer that. (laughs) I think it's 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 an older generation mindset. It's my mindset to hear the word adapting and think, oh my goodness, we're not going to compromise truth. We're not going to conform to this world's standards. We're not, and, and, and we adopt or we equate adapting with conforming to this world. But here's the truth: the truth is our culture is emerging at an. I mean, it's it's speeding uh, in technology. It is crazy the amount of changes. I mean, you think, you know, just 10 years ago what these things were mm-hmm. and how few people had these things. Now everybody has a cell phone. Now we have smartphones. We can watch videos on these things, whereas just 10 years ago, all you could do is talk on it. And the smallest phone then won. Now they're going to the big one. But you think of technology and how much uh, it has advanced it's like the generation gap
1: accelerates Yes. between the faster things move, you know, the more things change more rapidly, yeah. the, the further apart the generations get. I think that's yeah. partially what's led to the, the strife between older and younger generations so much It's yes. just because the, the rapid movement.
0: Absolutely. So, so we're not talking conforming to the world or compromising the truth of Scripture. We've just dealt with that. How we need to maintain that. What we're saying is we need to recognize as a church that the that our culture is changing quickly, and just when I I know for me when I get caught up to technology I'm already you know five years behind, <laughs> and I I, do, I feel like I never get caught up, and and, and yet we have a younger generation. That has grown up in that? I mean, we joke about it, but it's true. If you have a problem with your computer, ask your 10-year-old grandson to come and help you, and he'll get it going, right? Because they understand. And same with millennials. They understand. They, they, they live in this changing culture in which we live. And so when we're talking adapting, we're talking about what the Apostle Paul did in 1 Corinthians 9, When he says, I become all things to all men that I might win some. He maintained doctrinal purity, gospel purity. I'm here to share the love of Jesus Christ, the truth of his death and resurrection. No compromise. No compromise. But when I'm with the Jews... I do this. I I kind of adapt to that culture. When I'm with the Greeks, I adapt to that culture. When I'm with the weak, I adapt to that culture. And that's what we're talking about. We're not talking conforming. We're not talking compromise. But we are saying if we want to honestly reach a generation with the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I would hope every person here would say amen to that. We want to do that. Amen. Amen. We need to learn to adapt to our culture and speak the language of our culture, and that's what we're saying. These this younger generation,
1: yeah, exactly. Can help us. And they can we can come alongside. What would a good missionary do? Any good missionary has yeah. to be a student of the Bible to yeah. bring the Bible, and a student of the culture in which they're in to bring the Bible into that culture. Yes. And I think that's kind of the we have to we have to study both um, to understand not just the message but the means of conveying the message. Yes. Um, and yes. Uh, so that's, that's how the church can adapt. Yeah. Us. Let's talk about my generation and the generation beneath me, um, the I generation as well. Uh, we have a lot to step up to. Immediately, all of you millennials are like, all right, la, 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 la. <laughs> Stop talking. Um, Let's make this fun, okay? Let's have a little bit of fun with this, okay? Millennials, high generation, even Gen Xers. What is the ultimate, the most excellent cornerstone in 10 years? Okay? Now, some of you are millennials and you're super transient and you're going to be in a different place working a different job by then, but just pretend (laughs) that you're going to be here. What is the ultimate version of cornerstone in 10 years? Okay? What ministries, what facilities, how does social media fit in, where do we meet, how do we meet, how do we engage our culture, what does worship look like, what does what worship look like, what does small groups look like, how will people outside of our church see Cornerstone, those kind of questions, okay, you have a homework assignment, millennials and I generation, here's your homework assignment, dream, dream about the way you would love to see our church adapt and change. Dream about the, the best version of Cornerstone that you can envision in 10 years. Five years if you can't be here that long. A year if you were <laughs> even here less than that. Um, dream about the future of our church and how it can be even better than it is today, or at least better at reaching generations beneath us. Okay? That's your homework. In order for us to get there, it's going to take uh, stepping up. It's going to take moving forward and um, changing some things in our hearts and lives,
0: okay? So if I could speak real fast to to the younger generations, millennials, I generation, I don't know how to get us there, to be honest with you. I don't know how to keep up with the culture. I look at the culture today and I don't get it. So I need you. Us olders who don't totally get our culture, we need you. We need you to step up.
1: We have that to offer. It's a valuable asset.
0: So if we're going to use that
1: asset, um, this is what it's going to require. Uh, 2 Timothy 2, uh, 22. So Paul says, flee youthful passions. There's the first part of it, right? (laughs) Youthful (laughs) passions. Youthful passions are not just entirely for youth, okay? Everybody can be stuck in youthful passions. Um, The flip side of it, pursue Righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with all those who call on the Lord with a, from a pure heart. Part of it's just maturing, I think. Um, choosing to mature. Choosing to grow into more Christ likeness. Um, that means surrounding yourself with people who are like Christ. It means, uh, you know praying and asking for the Holy Spirit to do that in you. It means yielding to Him. It means uh, reading your Bible. Uh, it means a lot of things. Again, these are trite answers, and uh, millennials are going to say to me, you know, ah, that sounds really easy. And, you know, sounds too easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I know it's, it's, it's just part of it, but we have, to, we have to mature and move past youthful passions toward um, a more Christ-like maturity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. Maybe one of the best verses on on stepping up as a younger generation is First Timothy four twelve, uh, which says this: Let no one despise you for your youth, but the opposite. Set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Don't assume that you're not ready for this. Uh, mm-hmm. As a younger person, you're. You're ready. Don't, set it, don't let anybody look down on you yep. because you're a millennial. And yep. as much as we tease millennials, uh, don't let that be a, a hindrance for you stepping in. Yeah. Um, but set an example. Be the change.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it sounds corny. So, so let me say this. <laughs> don't consider yourself the future church, the church of tomorrow. You're the church of today. You're yeah. here. Largest generation. Largest gen- 85 million millennials in America. You're, you're here. <laughs> you're not the future church. You're the church of today. Yeah, exactly. And, and so stand up, step up, be that example.
1: Yeah, and, and the, the, only, the youth part, the young, being young doesn't stop you. So that's, right. you, can, you can do that. Yeah. Um, the verse right after that, Until I come, Paul says, devote. Okay, let me just stop right there. Millennials when he says devote <laughs> that means commit and when he says commit that means we got to like actually really commit to some things we tend to you know not commit or at least hold all of our options open until like 11.59 when they're due at noon. Um, we have three things on our plate. Uh, somebody says, hey, I'd like to see if you can do that. Oh, yeah, let me think about that. I got to talk to the wife. That's the best. That's, it's, that's even better than pray about it if you want to get out of something. I got to talk to the wife because then you can just, yeah, she didn't want, no, I'm teasing. But seriously, we as a generation tend to be pretty low on commitment. Older generations, can you nod if you agree with that? (laughs) I don't know. I I don't mean that belittally, but, um, you know, Gen Xers, Baby Boomers, Matures, GIs, Millennials tend to struggle with commitment. Hmm. But part of that is okay. We can be a little different. We can be our own. We still have to be able to devote ourselves Mm -hmm. to public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching, to... um, church and church things to people, to God, to the Holy Spirit, to um, his mission. There's a, there's a part of us that has to be ready to devote ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that's what it's going to require for our church to move forward, to adapt, to be the kind of church that actually um, isn't stuck in the past. It's going to require that we devote ourselves and be a part of that change. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, I just want to bring back up Passing on to the generation after us. Again, millennials are not the church of tomorrow. I generation is already part yes. of the church of today, and yes. and it's moving. There's going to be another generation after that, and another one after that, and we can, you know, Lord willing, um, just keep keep it going. You mm-hmm. know, keep mm-hmm. reaching people, keep being a relevant, difference making church. We used to be the we used to be like the church was the forefront of medicine, of art. Of everything like that. You know, if you look in history, we were the pioneers. Yep. And um, if you just look throughout most of history, philosophy, that came from the church primarily. And, and I don't want to just lag behind all the time. I want to yep. lead the way.
0: Yep. So I'm with you. I'm with you.
1: Yeah. So I guess as, as we wrap that up, again, talking to you millennials here, m- maybe if you're like me, you hear that and you go, yeah, that sounds great. But if I do that, if I step up and take the lead and be an example and mature, and then somebody comes up to me again and says, you're not doing it right. You didn't, you know, point the finger. You're not doing it the same way that we've done it. Then I'm going to be so discouraged and frustrated. Mm -hmm. Um, that's happened to me before. Um, yeah. And it's happened to me in a negative way before as well. Yeah. Then you can forget it. <laughs> <Yep>.
0: <laughs> right? Yep. That's
1: kind of how, how we tend to think about it. We're yeah. afraid to step up because of the way it's going to be received.
0: Yeah. So will an older generation receive the leading of a, of a younger generation? I've heard it. I've heard it from some older generation people say, well, they need to step up. And it's always in the back of my mind, but are you going to chew them out when they do? Because they're not going to do it the same way you do it. They might have a different emphasis than you did. Is that going to be okay with you? Or when you say, let them step up, then they have to do it the exact same way you did it or else. So we need to understand as an older generation that if we're calling the younger generation to step up, then we need to let them step up. And and I would suggest just a few things real quick. With this in mind, uh, I shared this quote uh, a couple months ago, uh, but it was at a conference Mona and I went to, and it was from Ray Johnson, Pastor Ray Johnson. And he said, When your memories are greater than your vision, you have no future. And for some of us older generation, we can remember. Oh, remember the good old days. Remember the glory days, remember the golden years of our church, and we did this and we did that, and we did this and we did that, and we hang on to that past so much so that we don't allow a younger generation to have their own, their own uh, time, their own uh, rejoicing season. And so if we're going to allow a younger generation, again, we're not talking about conforming to this world or, or compromising truth. We're talking about adopting in such a way that we can take the truth of God's Word into this culture. If we're going to allow a younger generation help us, I, I would suggest these things real fast. First of all, we need to get rid of the notion that change is bad. I know. Some of us are going, wait, you said that word. We don't even talk that word anymore. Ch- that's, a, that's the CH word. We don't use that, right? Is that how many letters? There four <laughs> letters in change? It's not four letters, but sometimes we act as though it has four letters in you it. You know,
1: change is necessary. Change is, is part of maturing. Every, I mean, you can't, transformation yeah. is as biblical as it gets. Absolutely. And so Absolutely. that's, I mean, that's necessary. You can't compromise nope. on change.
0: Nope. That's right. So we we need to remove that from our mind. Change can be really good for the cause of the kingdom, for the the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. I also would encourage us older generation, we need to get rid of the notion that we are the ones that have all the answers. It's easy to go, you don't know like I know. uh, That idea, that'll never work because this is how we've always done it. See, we got to get, get rid of the mindset that says, I've got all the answers, you sit down, I instruct you, it's not the other way around. I'll tell you what, from rubbing shoulders with this guy and other young generations, I grow a lot. I really do. I, they cause me to think of things I would have never thought of otherwise. And so we need to be willing to go, hey, maybe they have some answers Maybe because they're in the culture, they grew up in it, they understand the culture better than I do, maybe they have something to teach me. So i got to get rid of having the, all the answers.
1: The, one of the frustrations millennials have in church is that they don't feel listened to. Yeah. And so that, that's part of it, for yeah. sure. That would answer it.
0: Yeah. And then and then one final thought on this, and, and this for me is huge. This is a huge pet peeve of mine. So if you're standing around me and and you want to say something to the effect that these younger generations have nothing to offer us, just know that you've offended me, okay? <laughs> because we need to remove that notion. We get talking about those millennials. We, we showed a video this morning that was kind of making fun at millennials. But we need to get rid of that idea that they have nothing to offer, okay? Because they really do. And, 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 and if we're quick to say, ah, those I generation, those millennials, they, those, those, and we, we write them off, we've, we've lost it. We've, we've not worked at, at loving one another. And, uh, and pretty soon our memories become much greater than a vision and our future is toast.
1: Mm-hmm. Receiving, as, as a younger generation, if we do our part, stepping up. And the older generation receives that. That doesn't mean just stepping aside. Right. Thank you. You know, that doesn't mean that you are obsolete. Right. It, the, what we talked about at the beginning is that it, you have a lot to hand down. Um, you know, I think one really cool picture George led worship this morning, um, stepped in for me because this ended up being a two parter. Um, you know, George did my job before me. He was the music worship director, whatever our title was, I don't know even what it is. He, he did that job. Then I came in and did that job. And he is now a worship leader, sound guy, etc. And it was kind of like this role reversal when that happened, and it was instantaneous as opposed to some of this which is gradual. But it, didn't, it doesn't mean that I don't listen to George, or on, on the opposite. We have become closer through that. And I think that's so cool. How many of you have experienced something where somebody took somebody else's job like that and the other person, you know, submitted themselves underneath in a loving and um, mentoring type of way? I mean, that's a really cool thing that doesn't happen very often. And um, I give a lot of credit to George for having humility to do that. Um, So you know, it doesn't mean that an older generation is obsolete. Right. It, and in fact it's, it's this, just a different type of role of mm-hmm. handing down mm-hmm. um, yeah. that I think is I, I don't know, I just, that's what I wanted to say about yeah.
0: that. I love it. Become the coaches and the encouragers and mm-hmm. yeah, I love it. So we have said a lot and obviously we could go another several weeks on this subject um, and we are already a little bit over time. Um, but To just kind of close this up, let me say this. We have been talking about love strong. And this whole idea of generational unity, even though there's diversity there, is really part of this idea of truly, truly loving one another. It's one of those things that, you know, Scripture says, you, uh, you love, we love, because He first loved us. And so our statement is, loved people, love people. And I would tell you that God loves every generation. Right? His faithfulness, the Old Testament says, is toward generation to generation. His faithfulness is to the baby boomers and the Xers and the Millennials and the and the Matures. And He he loves every generation. And if we can keep that in our brain, if we can recognize that Christ died for the boomer and Christ died for the millennial. Um, we then may be able to take His love and, and love one another better. So we're just saying, loved generations will love generations, if you will, yeah. and 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 that's what we want to see happen at our church.
1: The, there's a security part of this that I, I want to just bring out. I know we're, again we're, we're low on time. Loved people love people. If you really recognize that. God loves you and that God desires you to be a part of his church and created you from before you were born, knitted you to be a certain way, and then gifted you with spiritual gifts, and you see yourself as secure and significant as you fit into his church, it becomes freeing to not have to impress another generation, um, to not have to bring these things uh, to the table um, for a generation that doesn't appreciate you. Um, because the Lord does, and He made you that way on purpose. And it just is, for me, it's freeing to know that accepted by people or not, God accepts me. And so Mm -hmm. I can love out of that.
0: Yeah, very good, very good. Our time is up. Would you close us in prayer? Yeah, I'd love to. Let's pray.
1: Father God, thank You for um, dying on the cross for us, for Your strong love. Thank You, Lord, for... The fact that you are not soft on sin, but you uh, instead take all the sin uh, on yourself, on your own Son, um, who is forsaken on our behalf. And Lord, as we look to the cross, um, our arrogance is broken down, and we see ourselves as nothing apart from you. All our value is from you. And... uh, Lord, as you work in our church, I pray that your Holy Spirit, which is in our midst even now, uh, would unite us, Uh, unite us around your love demonstrated at the cross, Um, unite us around a purpose, a vision of moving forward, and that while we can fill roles differently, um, you would ultimately be glorified even more. Uh, by our differences that you've created in us, that you've made us this way, Lord. Um, Lord, thank you for uh, being the one who's building your church, that we don't have to do it, but you are the one who will do it. Um, Thank you that the gates of hell cannot stand against it. Um, And thank you, Lord, that uh, we can participate in something so big, um, which is your mission, your mission of spreading the good news of your love Uh, to the ends of the earth, and throughout the ends of time, Lord, that every generation could hear about the love of Jesus Christ. Lord, we praise you, we worship you, and we ask that you uh, bring us together uh, as one body and one spirit uh, with your love. In your name, amen.
0: amen. 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 Amen.